You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, if you haven't heard yet, uh, this is me telling you, you need to take a look at the new boots from Lacrosse, and they fall under the Navigator series. Now, what they've done is they've taken the best parts of a rubber boot and the best parts of your traditional hiking and hunting boot, and they've mashed them together to come up with this new line of boots from lacrosse and that is the navigator series now they have the women's wind rows they have the men's wind rows and then they have the atlas the atlas series within that as well so go to lacrossefootwear.com and check out this new line of boots that they have i've been using mine for a couple weeks now and i am very impressed with the the fit and the feel and i can't wait to get them in the woods this hunting season and uh, give them a trial run so lacrossefootwear.com check them out W Hunting Supply is your go-to source for the best in dog training systems and supplies, as well as equipment for hunting, houndsmen, and women. We've served dedicated dog owners and avid hunters across the nation since 2000, and it's our mission each day to continue offering you exceptional products and outstanding customer service. At W, we're not just suppliers. We own and train our own hounds, and we regularly use the products we sell. We're proud of our hard-earned knowledge, and we're happy to share it with you, because when you shop our WU, you're not just our customer, you're part of our community. And WU just launched a really cool app, Steve. You can download it in your app store on either your iPhone or Android, any smartphone. And all kinds of content in there from training tips and tech support. You can schedule uh, actual maintenance for your tracking device right from that app now. Sign up for an account, download that app, and start tracking W anywhere that you have cell phone connection. And you can find all information about W Hunting Supply at www.dusupply.com. This is a Houndsman XP podcast with your host, Steve Fielder, and me, Chris Powell. If you're ready to up your game to extreme performance, sit back, buckle up, and hang on for another exciting episode of Houndsman XP. this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast, Steve and I sit down with Mark Zepp and Jason Doobie. Mark is an icon in the coonhound industry and also the predator calling industry. Uh, he is the creator of the Zepp's Coon Squaller and other high-grade predator calls as well. Mark is just a, uh, a 
a super guy that, that sits down with us and shares his stories about working for Wick Outdoor Works, John and Linda Wick out in Missouri, and then his journey through the outdoor industry. So I think you'll really enjoy listening to his stories about hunting in Australia and without giving too much of it away. And then, of course, we have the rock star Jason Doobie from W Hunting Supply with us as well. And Jason talks about his role at W and also hunting fox on the West Coast and the hounds that he chooses to hunt those with. Both really interesting interesting guys. We're glad they sat down with us. I want to uh, encourage you to go to the W Hunting Supply website at dusupply.com and make sure you go to the Join the Fight page. We've got a new hat up there. It's a leather patch cap. It's a classy looking lid for you. And uh, all the proceeds that we generate go to support this podcast that we love putting out for you every week. We really hope you enjoy this episode and we will get rolling on it. And we're rolling. So we are alive and well here at Autumn Oaks 2019. And uh, part of our, what are we going to call this thing, Steve? Well, what are we going to call this session that we're doing right here? Yeah. What are Uh, you thinking? I'm just thinking something like in the presence of greatness. I like it. (laughs) That works. Yeah. We've got Jason Doobie from W Hunting Supply with us. He's been working hard all weekend in the booth here, supporting Houndsman XP, representing W very well. And we've got the legendary Mark Zepp with uh, us. It's, it is it's great to be here, Chris. I, I can't believe – I've missed two Autumn Oaks in the last 30 years. And, I, and I'm uh, – Steve, I can't believe, you know, as we sit here with microphones in front of us and how far the, the sport has advanced in, in that time. And here wow. we are doing a, a podcast. You guys are – certainly to be commended for that it's about time and and it's uh, very good for the sport very good for the industry uh to be doing this and my pleasure to be here it's it's great to be back in richmond indiana as it is every year i've uh when when folks talk about labor day weekend and their plans uh my my thoughts are always hey i'm going to be in richmond and for autumn oaks so yeah so uh, you're here with garmin yes sir yep yes sir uh, I've seen your new coat on some racks here. Yes, sir. That's that's uh, that's all a new product for uh, for the Zep side. But uh, you know, I'm 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 happy and proud to be here representing Garmin. And and uh, when I my first years at Autumn Oaks, uh, the first ten years or so, were with Wick Outdoor Works. Right. And uh, from there, uh, I missed a couple. Uh, as I tell folks, I. I lived out of my van for a couple of years hunting coyotes out west. What and, kind of uh, van was it? Uh, it was a, a Ford, <laughs> a Ford Econoline. A VW Microbus, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, it was a big one, you know. And, yeah. and, It'd uh, have to be yeah. <laughs> for Big Mark. But, uh, yeah, and I, I always thought I would uh, wanted to hunt every every state west of the Mississippi River, and I got that done. And uh, when, uh, when that time frame was over... Uh, I was lucky enough to get hired by Tritronics and moved to Tucson, Arizona, and that was a 
a wonderful time. I met my lovely wife out there, right. and uh, we had our son Wyatt out there. And uh, at one point, we just decided we wanted to get back to the Midwest. I hadn't had dogs for quite a while, and and uh, so uh, as Wyatt got ready for kindergarten, why we we requested a move back to the Midwest. A lot of my travel at that time was back this way. So that happened, and uh, shortly after that, why Garmin purchased Tritronics, and it's been a great, gosh, a great transition wow. for, for yeah. me, I think for the, for the industry. It's, uh, you know, a company that makes the, the greatest products all over the, the, the world, whether it's, you know, for the aviation industry or the automotive industry, but uh, we're fortunate that the, they did get into the hound game, and uh, in 2007, they would introduce their Astro 220, and of course, it, it revolutionized the whole sport. Absolutely, it, you know the whole the yeah. whole industry. You know, one thing and, one thing from my seat as a hunter, uh, it seemed like a seamless transition for Tritronics. I mean, I I felt no as a, right. as a, a consumer, I felt no stress about moving over to Garmin. It was it was great. I mean, at at, at the time at Tritronics, of course, I'd I'd never lived through anything like that, an acquisition, and and uh, you know, we didn't know. Gosh, are they going to let everybody go? Are they going to, right. you know, uh, do they keep us? What what happens here? Uh, but it has been wonderful. It is a fabulous company to work for uh, that makes great products. Uh, I think coming from the Tritronic side, there was always a worry or a concern maybe that the quality of the products might not be the same. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I believe they're better uh, than, than they were. And uh, that's just a testament to Garmin that, uh, yes, most of their products are made in Taiwan, but all those facilities and all those employees, they're, they're all Garmin-owned facilities. They're all Garmin employees, yeah. and it's, it's truly a worldwide company with just tremendous people. I, uh, in, the, in the United States here, we're headquartered out of Olathe, Kansas, or Kansas City, Kansas, and I'm, I'm just impressed every time I go back to corporate uh, the the new people that I that I met that I meet and as well as the folks that are there just what a what a world class place it is and how many how many great employees they have. Yeah, Jason, you work a lot with Garmin. We do. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. get. I'm fortunate enough. I get to see Mark a couple times a year. Yeah. You know, we do uh, usually the Wisconsin Bear Hunters yes, Association sir. dinner. They set up right next to us. They get to do all the cool programming stuff and we're usually flinging product and right you know meeting customers and it's a good time we got a real good working relationship with them we always look forward to it i missed oh charlie's for free pie yeah. night this year but you know it's always nice to get yeah, with guys from garmin when we come yeah. to richmond indiana we always uh, we, for whatever reason it seems like we gravitate to oh charlie's every night and yeah 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 absolutely well you know i had an i a great experience with Garmin back in the early days of uh, the Coonhound, you know, the uh, development of the uh, yes, sir. Astro uh, units and then later, uh, not so much the Alpha, but, you know, and, and went to Olathe and met a lot of those great people out there and saw the operation, which is really phenomenal. And, it's uh, cool to see. To, yeah, absolutely. But to be involved, you know, at that early stages of the Garmin interaction with the Hound Sport was really fun. And 
getting to do a little bit of the R&D work, just although I didn't know what was going on, having uh, Kevin Brickhouse strapping uh, these prototypes on those plot hounds and turning them loose around Jordan Lake there in in, in North Carolina, and just things like that. Yeah. It's always been a it's been a fun ride, you yeah, know. Absolutely, and instrumental. You were at AKC at the time, and of course, yeah. of course, all the work that you've done legendary work that you've done for uh, for the regi- for the registries and i think what you do for uh your writings and cooner i think especially your american choice articles are uh they're just so good to you know as everybody continues to get older uh it's just a really some of us older than others <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 just a piece of history in uh, mm. a, a history book for folks who want to learn and want to read about those things we you know you did something a few months ago on uh dick brothers and we certainly uh pass our best wishes uh on to dick right now as uh, we learned he had a stroke a couple days ago and is in the icu there in, in sioux city um mm. but yeah those articles that you do uh for everybody it's just uh they, they need to be put together uh and i, and I hope they are someday for a, a kind of a history book of uh, for this this great sport right yeah well jason tell us a little bit about your role at uh, w we've talked about it and we've we've given you all these on though uh, yeah but but steve and i have talked about it and we we've already got your job description all laid out if you listen to any of our podcasts yeah. but tell us what you really do well there's a lot of hats you know we got a really good team at w you know everybody plays a lot of roles and we kind of all switch over I'm the guy, we all joke around, I sit around at home and watch Judge Judy. You know, I work remote for the company most of the time. So, really, I'm sitting there, we do a lot of orders, you know, I'll place orders, I do a lot of tech support for customers, set up service repairs, that kind of stuff, Um, and traveling. I mean, this is the highlight. You know, getting to come back here is a huge, huge highlight for me. Yeah, so being from the West Coast, a lot of our houndsmen and listeners in the West you know, Steve and I have sat down and tried to give a visual image of this, what's going on here. So, in your opinion, from from uh, your perspective, Jason, what do you see happening here? It's nothing like a lot of Western guys have ever seen. You know, if you don't load up and come out, you can't fathom what really goes on out here. The people are amazing. You know, it's a good group of people. You get to see a lot of really nice hounds, and it's just this is the stuff that's going to keep the sport alive. You yeah. know, we all got to stick together and we got to promote ourselves in a positive light. And, you know, on the West side, it's a lot harder. You know, we do a lot of field trials and, and banquet events and things like that, but something this caliber, you got to see to understand it. Right. You know? It's always amazing to me how the way our products are used, you know, the way the Garma, the Alphas, and the Astro product are used in the coon hunting world versus the big game world. One being, just one example being the popularity of bird's eye satellite imagery in the coon hunting world, where in, you know, Jason's guys out west, uh, you know, when I, when I talk to Buddy and uh, Woodbury, the, the owner out there, I, he, 
you know, he always tells me, I don't need that. I don't, it's just a bunch of trees. It's just showing me trees. <laughs> That's because he hunts right? in the daytime. Right, I yeah. hunt at night. I love it. I can yeah. see where I'm walking. You know, so it, it is, it's, it's uh, different to see, you know, uh, it's neat to see how people use the product differently and their, their wants and needs of, uh, of those products. Right. If I take a look back, you know, in my I use the word career, I mean, my experience with dogs. And thinking back to when I was a kid in those southern mountains of West Virginia, you know, and uh, and how we kept track of anything, you know. I mean, I, I never even had a compass until I went to Michigan. I mean, we hunted up the creek, and yep. we came back down the creek. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. And, you know, exactly. if the creek's on the right side going up, it's on your left coming back, you know, and that sort of thing. And then I, I fast forward to today, and I go over to Randy Smith's in Pennsylvania, and we're sitting in this uh, uh, elite side-by-side, and we got a hunt track on the dash, you right. know, and we're sitting there watching our dogs, uh, what amounts to be on TV, Yes, you know, sir. and and we can see that this dog's hunting down this fence row, and then there's a creek there, and and she turns right up the creek like well you want her to, and you're following all this, and I mean it's just like that. It, it's almost like a back, I don't know, it's a time warp or something. You know, it, where did we get to this yeah, point? Yeah, definitely. But is. it's awesome. Yeah. You know, I love it, especially for guys my age. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm all for this technology. <laughs> yeah, it is exciting times for sure. It's been a game changer, too. You know, when I came into it, I still learned to hunt with beep beep stuff with the old timers, you know, yeah. and, and I had a dog lost, and that's when I decided to buy my first Garmin, you know, and now it's just revolutionized everything. I mean, we hunt different style of dogs now because of it. You don't have to have a huge ball mouth dog to hear it. You know, we can hunt, you know, whatever you want. I can go hunt on a Tuesday night and still be in work in time to take everybody's orders the next morning you know right. used to you could never do that you know out west you turn a dog loose you didn't know how long you were going to be out there right absolutely the well, safety aspect of it too keeping these dogs out of danger i think that's a bit huge absolutely. and even being able to pair your handhelds up together to track each other around i mean that's that is revolutionary where i mean in the past it was hey, you start down this creek, and I'll drive around and pick you up at the next bridge or whatever it is, and now you can actually see exactly where people are all the time right there on your screen. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It has revolution, revolutionized the sport, no doubt. I never even thought about that. But, yeah, we are hunting different style of dogs now because of the technology that we have available. So it's pretty amazing stuff. Well, uh, Jason, I want to talk real quick about, like, you're from Oregon, yes, live sir. in Oregon, and you definitely hunt a different style of hound on a day-to-day basis. I mean, you've from back here in Ohio, and you've got family in Michigan, mm-hmm. so you're familiar with with the the breeds and the the hunting styles of the hounds back east here. But for the West in Oregon, what kind of hunting are you doing? I do a lot of gray fox right now, and a little bit of bobcat. You know, I I've never had real great cat dogs. You know, I like chasing them. But, yep. you know, a lot of the gray fox, because we've got a pretty plentiful population. We can go out pretty much any night and go go get on one or two, see the dogs work, and, you know, get home, 
it's enough time. You know, I can put kids to bed at night, get out to the woods and come back and still get a decent night's sleep. And yeah. We don't have the coons, though. I mean, we, we've got one club pretty much on the West Coast, and we're lucky to get a cast of dogs, one cast, and we're hunting mini slams. We've got guys that drive from B.C., one from Washington. I drive about five hours north from Grants Pass area. Yeah. And it, it's tough. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's a lot different style. You know, a lot of guys out there are running to, uh, you know, more of a foxhound cross or a running dog, I guess you call it. Yes, sir. Depends on who you're talking to. You get lynched if you call them a running dog sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, looking for something with some speed, still have some good locate. You know, for us, I, I look at tree and locator, two different things. You know, right. tree dog, that's fine and dandy, but when we're walking in as far as we are to the big woods, you want to make sure it's there if you're hiking in, you know. So, so you're hunting a lot of mountain terrain out there. Yeah, the Cascades and the Siskiyous mainly. Yeah. Unless yeah. we want to pop over. You know, we'll hunt the high desert, especially in the winter for cats. We'll go over eastern Oregon. Mm-hmm. But mainly Cascades and Siskiyous and big mountainous country right right what kind of what style of dog is effective for fox hunting that that hunting grace fox with hounds is completely foreign to me i mean it doesn't even cross my radar when i think what am i going to do with my hound today oh i'm still learning i mean i'm very fortunate i got some really good friends that i hunt with and i you know i can bounce things off of you know when i made the switch i was primarily a blue tick guy and that's what we bred and showed and hunted for a lot of years Mm -hmm. And when I made the switch, you know, you got to realize it's a, it's a whole different ball game, you know. And I was at a point where I couldn't make the switch. You know, one one style of dog with four of another style doesn't do you any good. You know, out there we're not hunting one dog; it's a pack. Mm-hmm. And if they're not packed in, you might as well be running, you know, three different races. You know, you got dog in the back booger barking. You're pulling your lead dogs back. And it could turn into a mess. So I hit a point where I could make the change, and I ended up getting some really nice older hounds from a good friend of mine, uh-huh. you know, that were more fox-minded, small game varmint dogs, and blessed with finding some good young pups and working them. And it's, it's been a lot of fun, but it has been a job getting there. You know, it's like you got to relearn everything because it is just, it's night and day different. So if you were going to, if you were going to describe the ideal fox dog gray fox dog because fox hunting back here is you know red fox and then we have a lot of coyote hounds back here but gray fox is a whole different deal because they climb yep so describe to me describe for me what what the uh uh ideal fox hound would be for you for me yeah i mean i i want to keep trailing a dog you know uh they still got to have a decent nose and be able to get a track going but we want something that's, I just, it's that extra drive to just push the animal and not the track. You know, they're a real game-minded dog. We like something, you know, I like a good, I'd say a little overly long, you know, not quite 50-50, you know, not a square dog, but something with a little more drive in the rear. Um, something, you know, they pick their head up and run. They're so different right. than a lot of coon hounds I'd ever hunted. But... You know, tight feet on us is huge. You know, right. you got to have good feet on a dog out there. Um, and, you know, the hardest part for me, I want, I like that coon hound sound. I want to hear a dog, a big ball, chop on tree. 
And these foxhounds, you know, they're a little different. You know, you get some the squall mouth and the squealers, and it's cool. But, you know, I like good hair. I want a dog that's going to hold up. I'm a fan of flag tails, you know. It's, Does uh, that make them run faster or what? Well, yeah, it's like a rudder. <laughs> no. That's right. That's <laughs> Steve. You you no, but if you're going to feed yeah. a dog, it might as well look good. Well, you know, you know, I, sitting here listening to you, Jason, it's almost like things have gone full circle. I, I'm in. A, I'm imagining that this is one of the Walker family in Kentucky yep. talking, and and this is the stage where the red fox has migrated into Kentucky after being imported into Tidewater, Virginia, and Maryland, and all that, and that all of a sudden the dogs that they have, they like to run the fox to ground. I mean, they wanted their dogs to either catch the fox on the ground or put it in a hole. And now they can't, they can't catch this guy. He's just running them to death. And now what do they need? How are they going to do this? They need something with more speed and drive, yada, yada. And they find Tennessee lead and uh, a black and tan colored dog of mm-hmm. unknown ancestry and they start breeding to some of these bitches they've done everything they've imported uh, bitches from ireland and england and they and they've inbred so much that they're getting blind and deaf dogs and all this stuff and then all of a sudden the key you know but what they're asking for is what you just described that you like in a fuck town and that's something you know that can run to catch you know we used the term in the Beagle program when we started that is, you know, run the track as fast as sending condition will allow with as few losses as possible, you know. And I guess that would kind of be the, the credo or whatever for a running hound man. You that, know, I think. That's the hard part is, you know, <clears throat> getting everything to stick. You know, you get these dogs like I, I've had to unfortunately go through a couple to get to where I'm at, you know. Because they're too too loose of a dog, you know. They'll swing way wide, and next thing you know, somebody zigs instead of zagging, and they're blown out of the race. Yeah. So it's finding that happy medium of a dog that wants to pack in and push, and that dog that wants to circle out. You it's know? definitely different than the deep and lonely dog, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. We yeah, won't. Sure. We don't hunt that out there. You know, it's a. Uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm very. You lucky. can get very deep and, and very, very lonely. lonely. Yeah, very like wilderness. <laughs> The map with no roads in it, you know. Oh, no doubt. Mark, did you hunt coons at all when you were in Arizona? No. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. Uh, there's some of those bottoms that have some cottonwood trees, but there's there's nothing that really resembles or makes you even thinking think about the sport uh, yeah. when you're out there. Especially, I was in southern Arizona, so you're in the in the Yep, the foothills in the desert country. I-10 through there, yeah. Yeah, you run yeah. out there where Geronimo ran around. That's it, and the Chiricahuas, and, and uh-huh. uh, right outside of the Rincon Mountains. And uh, beautiful country. We really, uh, uh, had we not uh, had Wyatt, we'd have probably stayed out there. It's world-class. I'm a big into predator calling as well. And, sure. and, and, uh, You've it got is, a little side uh, business in that, don't you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, you know, I really, um, you know, we did most of our filming for our videos and that sort of thing out there. Uh, but we, we loved the, you know, I, I'm fortunate. We, it, every place I've been is great, really. And uh, uh, southern Arizona was wonderful. Uh, 
I think Northern Arizona is 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 wonderful too. But uh, yeah, the the Southern Arizona, you really don't think a a coon hunting at all. You know, I mean, they, what they call a river up out there is a dried up river bed that might have water a couple of days a year in it. You know, <laughs> right, during right, the, right. When, uh, during what they call monsoon season. Yeah. You know. I was just out there during their monsoon season. I remember going to Tucson as a kid, talking about those dry river beds. You know, my grandfather had a, uh, I think it was a 1972 Mercury four-door LTD, and he drove that no, thing. No, 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 no. It wasn't an LTD what Mercury. What was it? That's a Ford. Ford LTD? It must have been he a, had Mer- a Mercury. Mercury, probably, uh, a, what do we call it, a Monterey or something. I don't know, uh, but it, it, it was definitely a Mercury, <laughs> and it was definitely green, and he definitely drove it everywhere. And we drove down some of those riverbeds and stuff, and, and he would talk about, you know, last time it had water in it and different things. And I, I was just a little, I was a kid, so I was just amazed. Here we are driving down the river in right. a Ford car. You know, yeah. <laughs> or a Mercury, one yeah. of the two. One yeah. of the two. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, you lived in Montgomery City, Missouri, for a while. Yeah. I, what about uh, that experience? Oh, it was wonderful. John and Linda and Monica Wick—they're just such great. They were great people then. Uh, they're great people now. It was a just uh, you know I look back. It was a wonderful ten years of my life. Um, I you know as I grew up as a kid. John Wick was a hero of mine. He's still a hero of mine today. And when I, you know, when I got the chance to go to work uh, for him, actually, I don't know if you remember, I, I met Steve in Sedalia, Missouri, at Redbone Days out there. And that's, gosh, that would have been 1988 or so. And that's when I went out to interview with to meet John and Linda and, and uh, see if I could get a job out there. And, um, so it was like, if you're into music or something, it, it was like I was suddenly um, Bon Jovi's um, <laughs> lead guitarist or something, you know. Yeah. It was like you're uh, playing the drums for Elvis. Or, I mean, it, it was just a wonderful uh, experience f- for me. And I learned, uh, uh, you know, other than my own parents... Uh, you know, my dad's the greatest guy I've ever known in my life, and I have a wonderful mother. Uh, but certainly, I always considered the Wicks my second set of parents, and and uh, I did then. I still do now. I love them both, and and their daughter Monica. And that was a big part of my life. I learned, gosh, just about the business, the sport, how you should act and conduct yourself while you, while you're out here on the road. How you how you're when you're on a cast. You know, winning is it's so hard to win, and it's so hard to prepare to win. But when you do win, it's easy to be a good winner. Um, you you have to prepare yourself and learn how to lose gracefully. It's right. one of you know it's it's one of the things I, I uh, both my wife Amber and I we try to teach our son Wyatt about that as he's. Uh, He's big into basketball, but I but I talk to folks in this in this sport and this, the sport of coyote hunting uh, as well when they're hunting in tournaments. Um, it's just like I said you, you have to you have to lose with with some dignity. It, it it always hurts to lose, and you're you're right there. And there's so many good things that happen. There's so many great people in the sport that you meet. There's so many special moments during 
the night during the cast on your way to winning on your way to a final four and there's so much disappointment when you get there and you're so close mm-hmm. it's, it's you know it's it's the it's losing at the buzzer on that shot at the buzzer or yeah. whatever it is and it's and it's and it's heartbreaking but at the same time you still have to do that with some class you know it, it's a, it's a, and it, it is tough to lose for sure yeah um, yeah well you represented john and linda very well mark everybody knows you of course you're a big guy your physical stature (laughs) forget but that's just that's just the surface you know because when people meet you immediately uh you know they're you have the way of recognizing people and acknowledging them and taking the time to do what they need to do and or you need to, what they're I, looking for. But, I, I but, hope so. I appreciate no, no, that. No. I don't know. But I appreciate Abs- you saying absolutely. That. Absolutely. But uh, that you were on the road for them. Basically, you were their, their, the, the face of, of Wick Outdoor Works out at the events for how many years? Yeah, and I was pr- like almost 10 years. Um, I, and I was, I was proud to do that. Um, I was proud to do that for Tritronics. I'm proud to be where I am with Garmin, uh, you know, most people, when they look at that, they don't, they also don't realize the sacrifice. I mean, I moved when I, uh, when I moved to Missouri to work for, for John and Linda, uh, my folks had a thousand acre farm that, uh, I, I, uh, that, that ended up selling because I, I just always thought I would end up in Missouri and it just didn't, you know, uh, it, it Wick Outdoor Works and it didn't work out that way. And that's, that's that's fine, you know. That just mm-hmm. meant uh, there's there's bigger and better things down down the road for you. Um, but I can relate to that, yeah. you know. Being with UKC those years, actually sure. 16 years at the time, and sure. you know, Fred Miller was getting older, and you know, I I kind of always envisioned that that's where I would always be. Sure, you know, and I thought that. I, I didn't have any illusions of grandeur or anything that I've, but I was kind of back in my mind said, well, maybe I'll be in that corner office someday, you know. Yes, sir. But it just didn't work out that way, you know, yep. and, it, and things happen and conditions and things and all, you know. And, and every time I moved, it actually turned out to be a move for the better for me uh, in one way or the other. Sure. But those were my really golden years working with UKC. I enjoyed those tremendously. And I had probably had more fun actually at PKC because I was more involved with the actual hunting at that point. Yes, sir. But at any rate, you know, I can relate to what you're saying, then, you know, about about that experience. So, so it was wonderful. My my years at, at WIC were wonderful years. You have to. There's tremendous sacrifices in all of those things. Moving there, our, the farm sold. Um, uh, and it was lots of lots of nights on the road. Uh, even when I went to Tritronics, it was the same. You know, I mean, uh, 150, 180, maybe 200 nights a year on the road some years. Um, I don't think people understand that or fathom like what, what that is. At the time when I was working for John and Linda, I had no idea 
how valuable that experience was because I was meeting so many people. I wasn't just going to coon dog events. I was going to beagle events and bird dog events and a few retriever events and, and different things. And, and uh, I didn't realize it. And then when I went, you know, I, didn't, I didn't realize how valuable that was. But then when I went on to Tritronics, well, yeah, I knew was, all these people. Good, they were, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah they, you know, as we talked, I, I knew all the dealers right. already. I knew, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so many of the key players. And then, you know, to, to be able, when I, when I went to Tritronics, um, to meet the legend Farrell Miller, you know, in the bird dog mm-hmm. game and Miller's chief. And uh, to be able to spend time with Mike Lardy, uh, the uh, really famous retriever trainer and different people um it's it's it just wonderful i can't even yeah. tell you as a kid uh, uh, that grew up and loved coon dogs but loved to see working dogs sporting dogs and to see all those things and be around all of these great these great people um it's i, I tell people i'm about the luckiest man in the world i i'm uh, i feel like i'm on vacation every day i got a <laughs> wonderful wife and a great son and I and I and in many ways I feel like I haven't worked a day in my life okay. because I've always I've always loved what I have done right. and it's it's uh, I can't I, I just can't even relate or fathom going to a job where you're dreading that every day right. and I know lots of people who are in that situation. Uh, uh, I live in Middlebury, Indiana, which is the RV capital of the world. So there's, you know, a lot of people there that are going to factory jobs from five or six in the morning till two in the afternoon, every day, day after day, day after day of that. And, Mm. you know, they just, they're dreading that. But I, 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 like I said, I I feel like most of the time I, I haven't, I've never, never worked a day in my life and been, been really fortunate. Yeah. 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 So tell us about some of your, uh, you, you've been around the world with, literally. Yes, yeah, sir. Travel around the world. Yes, sir. And that was with Tritronics and Garmin? When I, originally, Jeff? originally when I was, um, when I was with John and Linda. Uh, a I'm fellow, trying to get some stories out of you here, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> when I was with um, uh, John and Linda. At Wix, a gentleman had come over to meet John. He was in the U.S. from Australia, and he said, um, "When he got ready to leave, he said, well, you should come see me sometime.' Yeah, I had I had got to know him, and I said, you know, now keep in mind, I I, I had never bought a house or never got married. I didn't have any kids or anything. My mm-hmm. only sole responsibility in life was working, and and working out really is all is, and, and then at night I would hunt and. And um, so uh, when he left, I ended up, <clears throat> one of the things that he had told me over there was uh, about Red Fox, calling Red Fox. And, um, and it was unbelievable stories of, you know, killing a hundred a night what? With, with traps and they, they used uh, poison over there, and they called oh, yeah. it as well. Okay. And um, I thought, well, this <laughs> I got to see this. And uh, so I went over, and it was just 
unimaginable. You know, if a out there kangaroos get hit on the road or something, and and you 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 come by at night a couple hours later, let's say after this animal's done, there's ten red fox eating this thing. You know, and you're it, it's just the most. <laughs> in, it yeah. is just in in. For people that hunt, the red fox there, they look, they're a little bit bigger, but they look like our red fox here. But when you call them, they actually act more like a gray fox. And um, I, I remember the, the first time that I that I went with this fellow, Paul was his name, and and he, he gave me the shotgun and told me to grab a couple shells, and we were going to go out for a walk. And I, so we walked 100 yards or something from the truck, and um, he said, where where are your where are your shells at? And I, I I I had three or four of them there in my hand. I go, well, they're right here. Right. And he, he looked and he said, "Is that all you brought?" <laughs> and, and I said, "Yeah." I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't even you know imagine. You can, you can calculate. And he had all. a little you know a little they what they call a fox whistle over there. It was kind of like a quail call here. And he blew into that, and I thought, man. We are wasting our time. The next thing you know, I was out of those four shells that quick. I thought, man. Well, I, am I wrong? They were brought in, weren't they, to control the rabbits yes. or something? Yeah, and you could, it? you could. I, I'm not making this stuff up. I mean, you, you, <laughs> and I'm not from Texas. You can't. You know, <laughs> you know I, I mean, you, you tell somebody you, you, from Texas you, uh, you caught a 10-pound bass. They say, well, I, I caught a 13-pound just right. yesterday. But but the, the, they would, the rabbits over there, I mean, you can just drive around in the back of a truck and kill well, you know what? Shoot, what they would call like two hundred pair. That's four hundred rabbits. And you, you, yeah, you're looking at these people like they're from outer space. Like it can't possibly be true. Yeah. But you go out there, and you've never. I mean, there's rabbits like maggots on something dead. Just everywhere you look, well, you can't hardly shoot and not hit one. You know, and and and. Right. Uh, and uh, did you encounter any hound hunters at all? Yeah, there? I went out there. Um, gosh, the. We hunted um, samba deer. Now, the, the gentleman that I met, he had imported some blue ticks to hunt these samba, which they're kind of like a short-horned elk is what I right. would, would call them. And um, so, gosh, we went up in the mountains to hunt. Now, I was 27, 20, that's 30 years ago, you know, and I, I was tough. One fat back then. Mm. I was tough back then. All right, <laughs> and um, we're all getting I, there. I mean, it was, so we go up into these mountains, and um, man, we we sleep under these makeshift tents. And uh, my buddy said, "Well, here's you know your your uh, sleeping bag." Of course, it, it looked like it was for a you know infant. You know, I thought, "My God!" And it snowed during <laughs> well, the night. I'll put it this was, one on my left leg. Yeah. <laughs> if you got if you got four more. Yeah. It snowed during the night. It was miserable. There must have been 30 guys. And um, we would walk along this mountain ridge, and then they would kick two guys down uh, uh, on a ridge maybe a, a mile in length. And then they would start, they would use those dogs to drive those deer, mm. those samba your, your way. And I, I didn't ever see any of those. None of them ever came my way, but I... Um, 
but dozens of red fox did, and I, I, I couldn't, you know, I didn't care whether I ever saw one of those, those salmon it, uh, up in the mountains because there was just so many fox. It was just fascinating to me. But, but uh, yeah, the guys that uh, that I that I hunted with, uh, they killed a few, a few of them, of course. In that, but I remember uh, at one point in there. Uh, a guy telling me, yeah, I want you to get over. You see that tree on that far ridge over there? And it, it looked like it was 35 miles away to me. <laughs> and I thought, boy, you know. Uh, and he said, yeah, I want you to get over there. And I started down this mountain, and, boy, I slid about 50 yards in these rocks, and I thought, I thought I'm going to die here. And there is, I don't know what made me, made me ever think I'd come here and hunt, agree to hunt these daggone deer, you know. The, and uh, I thought, and there is no one that will ever find me. You know? Right. No, I mean, there, I, I mean, this is, you know, you know, Garmin has an in-reach product that you can use. Well, there was, you know, there was no cell phones. There was not, none of that, that stuff. And I remember just sitting there about 10 minutes and thinking, you know, I, I don't believe I need to go to that tree here. I don't need, right. I, I, I don't need to kill a deer in one of those things that bad, you know. How are you going to get it back? But yeah, you know? I, I, yeah. Yeah. So, so it was an amazing experience. I was over there, I don't know, 10 days or so, and it was – it was neat, you know. That was that was one. I did get to go to a show called the Ewa Show in Germany last mm-hmm. year. Um, I did write about that a little bit in Kuhner, um, and that's kind of like the Shot Show is the shooting, hunting, and outdoor trade show that's uh, every year in Las Vegas in January. Uh, that show, I believe it's in April or so, and 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 it was again. It was in Nuremberg, and you. It didn't even. Um, occur to me at, at, at the time when I was going or but but when I was there um, uh, some of the guys from the United States said you know Hitler Hitler gave his propaganda speeches less than a mile from where we're standing right now mm. yeah mm. And, right and 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 the the war crimes normal you know the 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 war trials and all they were, they were right there in that city and you, it's something you know you you read about in history and you think about but su- but suddenly you're right there and you you get to see some of that stuff and it is it is it is amazing i wonder you how know, that ever happened how it ever ha- how it exactly. ever happens yeah. of course they destroyed you know most of those buildings and everything that was around there but but uh, they left the the stadium itself there's soccer fields all around that but actually where he stood to give those those speeches now it's still standing there so wow um those are things is a coon hunting kid growing up in warsaw <laughs> ohio that i i, I just could have never imagined right. being there or doing those those type of things you know i just sure. you know and uh, it been so blessed and so fortunate you know to, well to you know things. i can kind of relate a little bit to that when uh, you know I started out back in West Virginia just a little coon club we didn't have UKC hunts we didn't have a license for anything but we did have field trials and water races and uh, and little buddy hunts and all and then fast forward and I found myself all suited up walking down Madison Avenue getting on the elevator to go up to the 
fourth floor or whatever and go walk into the boardroom at American Kennel Club and I'm saying, what the hell How am I doing here? <laughs> How about that? That's right. Right? Yeah. Amazing stuff. Oh, yeah. you know, yeah. and all for a hound dog. That's you it. Know? Yeah. Yeah. All for a hound. So you can be, I think, I remember a fifth grade teacher came to our house one day and told my parents how worried she was about me because all I wanted to do was fish and shoot my BB gun and, and, that, and that I could never make a living doing anything like that. And I wish there's times I wish that old coot was still alive so I could go back and show her I've done all right for myself, you know, I got with these funny, old dogs. I got a funny story along that line. And it has nothing to do with hounds. So I grew up in Columbus, Indiana, and went to Taylorsville, Taylorsville Elementary School. And uh, Tony Stewart, NASCAR driver, uh, was actually a grade behind me, but we all knew him. We played, I played Little League Baseball with Tony uh, back when he first, when we were first, second grade. And I still remember standing in the old Taylorsville school and it was getting towards spring and it was baseball season. And it was like, uh, I was in third grade. He would have been a year behind me. And of course all the boys are like, you know, baseball signups are coming. And uh, uh, we asked Tony, we're like, are you playing baseball this year? He's like, no, I'm racing go-karts. And we were like, Oh, you'll never do anything with go karts. <laughs> you I know, mean, it's crazy. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, one of the things that has helped propel me over the years is um, not shooting a gun, but shooting a camera and shooting video. And um, and I'm very proud of that that stuff. I think some of the the, the images of of dogs like mojo and mason and different things over that that have been done and for ads and that we've that we've done i think it really makes the sport it gives the sport a better image it's a very good looking no doubt it's a very good looking clean and and so i always shot cameras my my grandfather had given me my first cameras and then i i got uh i I always shot kind of cheap inexpensive cameras through uh high school and through college and then when I went to Wix I ended up shooting for their catalog Mm -hmm. and learning a lot about photography and then at Tritronics um, was lucky enough to team up with a guy by the name of Lee Chose. Now Lee Chose is a world famous photographer Mm -hmm. now and he, he shoots for Under Armour, he shoots for Benelli Matthews, but any cool-looking ad. He's done work for uh, our competitor, Sport Dog. But any any really cool-looking ads in the outdoor industry that have just a neat look, he's the guy responsible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I got to know him just as his career. He was working for an ad agency, and he was just going out by uh, with himself. Um, and uh, another fellow by the name of Tom Dockin uh, from Dockin's Deadfowl Trainers up in Minnesota, mm-hmm. who's a really famous retriever trainer. He's done lots of videos. He's done, um, got some books out and that kind of thing. Well, the three of us would go to South Dakota every year, and uh, we would shoot photography, and we'd 
we would hunt and, I, and, and different things. And when Lee started out on his own, he called me and he had a big photo shoot in Virginia the next day. He, he called and said, man, I'm, uh, I'm going to film uh, Tony Stewart tomorrow. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And, and I said, well, who's running the lights for you? He said, no one. I got no help. I, got... I said, well, well, I said, let me go and talk to my, my boss, Bob Peterson at the time, and, and he, who, who knew Lee. And I, I just went in. I said, hey, boss, can I have the next few days off? <laughs> Lee needs some help. And uh, he said, yeah, no problem. So I went back in on the phone. I told Lee, I said, you just, I'll just be there tomorrow, wherever you want. He said, you can't. You, you just tell me where, and I'll be there tomorrow. And um, I flew in there tomorrow. Now, I didn't know NASCAR. I didn't, I'd heard of Tony Stewart a little bit. Right. And um, so I got to hang out with Tony Stewart all day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Lee, cool. there was just like three of us there. And, and I, yeah. you know, I would, I talked to him about those stories. Like, dude, how did you ever get, how did you ever get right. interested? Now I hate cars. You know, like yeah. I, I have no interest in cars or racing. Right. And I was like, now how in the world do you ever get interested in that yeah. gum? You know, cars. And he would tell me, he said, well, just as a kid, you know, just right. like you were saying, yep. I started racing these go karts. <laughs> and and uh, but and anyway, he, he's a hunter too. Yeah. He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, he that's opens his, he opens his. Um, farm and his properties up there for different youth hunts there around Columbus, yep, Indiana. That's and, terrific. And supports yeah, things yeah. like that. But Mark, I know that you uh, you look at the old Cooner magazines and some of those things, you know, the standard picture of a hound uh, did the best they could do, but you revolutionized things like lighting in these ads, the presentation, uh, and things like that in these Tritronics ads. And I really think that it set the bar for advertising and things like that. Yeah, yeah thank you. I, I appreciate it. And, and lots of that was uh, Lee chose and Anella Feather by the name of Mitch Keysar, who's uh, from Minnesota mm-hmm. as well. And just being able to, um, I wouldn't say study under those guys, but watch those guys and ask those guys questions. Hey, how'd you do this and why'd you do this? And once that happened, um, you know, my, my skills just went from, from basic to like, mm-hmm. hey, that looks, I'm taking a look, I'm looking at those pictures like, ah, that looks pretty good. Yeah. You know, I was very, very proud of some of those images. And I know Mac McAllister, I think um, when he bought Lipper, I think he paid 15000 for him or something. He used to always say, um, yeah, I paid a thousand for the dog and fourteen thousand for the picture. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, but who doesn't think a lipper? You know, with that picture of him with his head rolled up over right. his back and up uh-huh. on the side of that tree, and I just always thought, man, I hope some of these images I take yeah. have that influence on some kids or some people when they look at that and they go, wow, what a cool yeah. picture! Well, I yeah. mean, that is really neat. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. I had the privilege of going out with you and with Jerry. We had Jerry on the program the other day, Jerry Mall at PKC, and yeah. we were photographing Jenny, and, yeah. and we tried to photograph that boneheaded plot I had, and he would never get up yeah. on the tree. Was that Laredo? Yeah, Laredo. Yeah. Chris remembers yeah. him. But the point being, the work that goes into trying to get a shot like it's- that. And, you know, it, uh, I've done some photography, nothing like what you've done. But 
you know, I, it just drives me wild when a guy posts a stud dog ad and he's got this brant bush <laughs> in front of the dog I've and always, you're, and and all, to see Mark I around the tree. I've always heard the stories. Yeah, around see Mark around the tree. Hey man, it's it's like he's pruning absolutely. The, the I've always heard those stories at the White House. You know, believe he, me, <laughs> I mean it's right before he takes yeah. the shot. You yeah. know, it's it's something to, to it, it, see really. The <laughs> You know, when I when we shoot those things, uh, a buddy of mine by the name of Howard Delcamp up in uh, Goshen, Indiana, helps me a lot with the with the holding lights and doing different things for me um, now. And and uh, most people they don't they don't realize the the, the work that that goes into it, and uh, it, it's it's hours and hours of kind of preparation to getting the the right spot. I I always like to. Um, turn dogs loose after the fact because i always want to see how they hunt and what they sound like and mm-hmm. what what people are all people always think well can you just can we just turn the dog loose and you take some pictures i said yeah we can do that <laughs> i said well but we might make 20 have to make 25 trees in order to find one where that dog's going to look good you know where that animal's going to look good on that tree so let's. Um, I've got some places that I know that have some really pretty trees, yeah. and let's take advantage of that. Let's set those things up because you know, you're you're looking for uh, energy on that dog. You're looking for the tail's got to be right. The mouth has to be right. The feet have to be right. All of those things. And when you're, you know, some. Do- some dogs react to that flashing and all that movement around them, um, like they're like there's no pro- no problem. And I've also been in cases, um, situations where, you know, I feel like I need to carry maybe a ball bat with me around when I, <laughs> when, I when I'm walking around that tree a little bit, you know, to, mm. to, to make sure that nothing happens. And and because um, you are using a live coon and dogs are fired up and and but. It, and a dog's treeing style and how they're going to act around even a caged coon, you know, that determines so much. That determines whether that photo shoot's going to take, uh, when you finally get the lights and everything set up, whether that's going to be a 20-minute job or a three-hour job. Right. You know, yeah. you know all, all those things. And people, I, I tell people, look, if, if it was easy, the magazines would be full of beautiful pictures. Right. But, <laughs> but they're not because it isn't. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what about this new coat you got coming out? He, um, so I appreciate you mentioning that. Obviously, uh, uh, in addition to employees, I, uh, in 2002, my wife Amber and I started uh, Zepp's Coon Squallers and Predator Calls. And uh, when, I, when I left Wix, I, spent, I took a couple years off. And in that, I, uh, I had bought a camera, a super VHS camera back, back then, and I started uh, hunting hunting and f- film, filming my, my coyote hunts. And then, um, so we turned that into to, to Zepp's Coon Squallers and Predator Calls. And that's been, that's been great. I think it's kept, um, not that it makes us a bunch of money, but it certainly keeps, uh, it's fun for me. I enjoy it. Um, you know, my, my grandfather gave me a a crow call when I was 10 or 11 years old and uh, 
You I tear, went. You I tear went, it apart. <laughs> no, I. I'll tell you what. I didn't know anything. I went out and I sat on his back porch outside, and I read the instructions. I didn't know anything, and I read the instructions on how to blow. And I'm sitting out there blowing this crow call on the back steps out there off of Whitney Road in Wellington, Ohio. And three minutes later, there's 20 crows flying over my head. <laughs> You're natural. He's a natural. The crow that, whisperer. But I'm right. telling you, that was it. That changed my life. It you was know? over. It, it, that changed my my. If they hadn't come, if that hadn't happened, I, you know, none of this would have ever happened. I, I I firmly believe that, you know, and uh, so that you know that was good. And then I've been, you know, people always associate me with Wick Outdoor Works, and I, uh, people always ask me about. Gosh, I wish I could get John and Linda's clothing. And I know they were always concerned about maybe going over somebody taking it and going overseas, but I just, I just felt like it took me about ten years to find the right people who could make this stuff. Um, I, I didn't, I don't have the time nor the inclination to hire um, 20, 30, 40 girls like uh, that, that were out there in Montgomery City and and uh, setting that up. But it took me a while to find the the right place and the right folks who could make really quality merchandise because i don't think uh, you know quality stuff costs money and and so in this game uh, is there isn't any game you know there's there's uh there's scopes you can go to walmart and buy that are 49 dollars and uh one that looks just like it almost is uh 250 dollars and um but, but i just felt like uh nobody was doing a good enough job of that legacy of passing that on as, as time has, has gone on. And uh, so we started uh, with the old Wick Briartown coat. Mm-hmm. And uh, those will be available this year. And then, uh, but we will have some bibs and chaps and other products coming. I don't know that that'll happen in, in uh, 2019. Certainly it'll, certainly it'll be here for 2020. And, nice. um, uh, but, uh, you know, we're excited about that. And, and yeah. uh, it's, it's really great stuff, really, really great quality stuff. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to have my name on it. Yeah. And, 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 um, uh, and I, I hope that is enough for a lot of folks. And that, that lets people know that, that it's darn nice stuff, you know. Yeah. Well, I can uh, attest the fact well, it's a nice <laughs> Nice piece. I'm looking forward to the trip to Arkansas and to some of the Midwest trips so I can actually wear something that's warm. <laughs> you go, you go. I do yeah. have one, absolutely, and it's great. And I know you're going to do You've already got some ideas. You're going to improve a few things and all, yep. but it, it's great. And it's, uh, you know, I've talked to some people here uh, at Automokes and they're talking about John Wick and how's he doing and things. and. And, and John, all. we love you and miss you, man. I, it's just not the same here without you, brother. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, I've had 50 people ask about you and and uh, yeah. wondering how you're doing. Absolutely, yeah. same here, Mark. And and the people, uh, one gentleman sitting here uh, in front of the booth yesterday, uh, saying, you know, I still have my wick clothing, but he said I don't wear it a lot because I want to save it. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it's like, right. that's, you know, that's it. Exactly. That's it. And I do. I have those wick bibs and I have the wick coats and those things. That you I, know, over the years, I have bought so much of that stuff secondhand uh, just, just for sizing, for patterns. And, and 
looking for the right ones because there was a lot of changes and innovations. I mean, when you mm-hmm. start with with a product, certainly there's there's changes and innovations along the way. Um, most people don't see those things. I know what those things are, and yeah. and as I as I. You know how the sausage is made, right? (laughs) I didn't make any of it, but I know how it was made. And with a lot of love and care and, uh, you know, attention to detail. Sure. And um, anyway, as as that business grows and that enterprise grows, why I hope hope people like it as well as I do. I'm sure they will. It does well out west. It holds up to the Manzanita at least. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so you wear it on the west coast then? I do. Yeah. I've got one of the jackets. Nice. We don't have many briars where we hunt, but that Manzanita brush can get pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, what else? Hey, it's been a great visit. I think so. You You know, Mark's always so busy around here. He is, and I appreciate you sitting down with us, Mark. It it is. It is my my, uh, honor and my privilege to sit down with you guys. Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, keep up, keep keep on keeping on and keep up the good work with what you're doing. We appreciate your support that you've given the podcast. As yes, well, sir. Mark, through yes, you know, donating the Zepp Squallers, and yes, sir. we've sure. given we've given some of those away. To we have, and we've done we, some we've got some plans for some more that we're we'll going to be talking about pretty yeah, soon I'm, with I'm, some I'm, new I'm, things that we're doing. And I'm, I'm more than happy and and, and uh, honored to be a part of any of it. You know, right. to support you. well, and and also with Jason, uh, you can't say enough about W and Buddy and everybody out that way. It, it's. Uh, don't, you know, forget, really? don't forget Buddy's wife, Laura. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, no let, kidding. don't forget that. She's a great gal. and a I haven't really had the privilege of meeting her. She's a great gal, an important part of that business. Yeah. Know, well, very important. Sure. Well, Jason, about, yeah. you got any final thoughts? You want to wrap anything up? You've been quiet this whole time. I was expecting you to jump it all in. in. <laughs> I, you know, I'm. anytime I can get around Mark, I love hearing his stories, you know, and yeah. to get to meet you guys finally and Steve. You know, Chris, I, it's been a great, great weekend. You know, I'm just trying to soak it all in because this is the one time of year I get out this way, you know, for something right. like this. So right. I, I would encourage a lot of our West Coast guys, you know, I, I've had more people message me. They see I'm at Autumn Oaks, but they don't know what it is. You know, if you got the means, jump in the truck and come out, hop a plane, you know, come see what it's about out here because it's totally different. But if we're going to keep doing you know, like we have a common goal is to shed a positive light on our sport and show people what we're really all about right. as sportsmen and conservationists, you know. And I just think that we got to bridge that gap somewhere, you know. The coon hunters can't be against the cat hunters and the cat and the bear. We're all houndsmen. Right. And we got to keep sticking together. So, and, and that's what we've talked about several times on the podcast, Steve, is we don't care what you're hunting with your hounds. You're hunting gray fox with your hounds if i've got hounds back here running gray fox i got a problem right you know because i'm a coon hunter but it's the common thread and the way you coined it steve that common thread of being a houndsman and the love of the hounds and and everything that goes along with that i would no i was gonna say you know in closing like you know yeah we're a sponsor for houndsman xp but that whole join the fight page is all clubs and organizations that you can join and we can help, you know, support each other across the U S. So I encourage all the listeners go and check that out, you know, du supply.com and just 
check out all these clubs and see how we can help each other out. Cross join, you know, anything we can do to help each other. Mark, we need the web address for for Mark Zepp clothing. It, yeah, it's he, it just markzepp.com. No dot. No, just, yeah, just markzepp.com. Mark yeah. If I I guess if I had one final thought today, it would be to put United Kennel Club's Autumn Oaks on your bucket list. Uh, for those of us who have been here, we, we realize how special of an event it is. You know, and Alan and Todd and all the girls at UKC, what a great job that they do of getting sponsors, getting a terrific location and headquarters for this, and putting on just a special, special event. So if you've never, if you've never been here, uh, make it a point. If you're a hound person, you like this game, even a little bit make it a point to to get here uh, you, you will really enjoy yourself there's just wonderful people there are tons of legends in the industry that are just walking around uh you know i saw john monroe yesterday and, and lee logan and just very special people dear friends and uh i would encourage you to come and make new friends as well and meet, meet these folks when I was here as part of my employment each year, it, one time along the way it just dawned on me, the event where history is made. It you is. Know, and, the, and, no. and that's, you know, they've kind of hung on to that, you know, but that is, it, it, it epitomizes what this is. It, it really is. It's such a, uh, a lot of events I can hardly wait to see, you know, to get there, but I can hardly wait to get home. I always right. kind of wish this one was a, was a day or a two longer, days, right. you know. Absolutely. Uh, I, I really do. So, yeah. But thanks for the opportunity, guys. It was great to see you. It was our pleasure to have you, you on, Mark. And, you know, and, and, you know, my final thought on it is echoing what you said, Mark. We talked about it in another podcast, but, uh, you know, this is like the uh, old fur trappers rendezvous. You know where people come and gear up and build relationships and share their stories and and you just every every direction you, you look you see houndsmen together that are small groups telling stories you know legends walking through here of the sport and uh, it's just got to it's it's got to be on people's list you're going to tree a bear next week. You know, yeah. you treat 40 bears last fall. It, whatever, whatever's holding you up, take a few days and just come and right. and, and see what we yeah, got going and, on. Yeah, and it, all levels of experience. A lot of people come just for the camping. They love to camp out. Right. And it's a beautiful place right. to camp. It, it's, if you've got a, you know, a 40-foot motorhome or whatever, fine. we got plenty of room here for that. It's a true family event. There's lots yeah. of kids here. Oh, there's yeah. lots of mothers here. There's lots of wives. There's lots of girlfriends here. There's just a lot. I mean, it's just. There's yeah. a lot of women hunting that, in the hunt. Yes. This lot, is, yeah. yes. One little aside. Yesterday we passed up here. There was a, a, a two-seater uh, uh, ATV, big one, and it was packed with kids. <laughs> and I look at it, and I said, lights go on. I turn around the corner. There's Curtis Elburn. I said, Curtis. You're responsible for that whole wagon load of kids because they were all his grandkids. Yeah. And the great thing about that story was 
his two girls, Andy and Nikki, I remember when they were in strollers here That's at it. Autumn Absolutely. Oaks. Right. And Absolutely. they grew up, and now, look, yeah. their kids are here yeah. and all. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is, this is uh, truly an iconic event. Steve, I'm going to hand it over to you to roll us out of here. Hey, guys, you know what? we got a track right outside the door out here, man, and it is smoking hot. It's a gray fox. And, man, I think it's one of those West Coast fox, those kind of souped-up ones that go up trees. We're going to cut loose, okay? But here's what's going to happen. Let's take those Airedales out there and cut them loose. Right? Good-looking Airedales. It's crazy how people bring their dogs of yeah. all breeds here. But, anyway, once we cut them loose, guys, the rule is you follow your hounds, I'll follow mine. <laughs>